a group of young friends decide to take a vacation in a cabin out in the wilderness. A week of sex, drugs, and fun quickly turns to horror as we must continue with a flesh-eating disease mysteriously spreading and killing them one by one. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Bouget. I'm Connor Azagari. Welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today, we will be talking about the film that you probably are thinking I'm talking about, but you're wrong and right at the same time. We're talking about the almost shot for shot horror remake of Eli Roth's directorial debut, 2016's Cabin Fever. A film which utilized the original script, so he wrote nothing new. Um, changed almost nothing shot wise. They, I'll go over some things that they tried to take out later in development hell, um, and mix up. But going on, most fans, myself included, I'm I'm in this group, weren't exactly on board when this was announced. Um, the way it was announced, what they were doing, I was like, eh, no. Uh, the feeling of this would kind of get carried over by the time it got released as it largely would get ignored by audiences, it was a massive flop, even for a limited theatrical release it got. Um, and it's absolutely despised, hated, reviled, the only whatever road you want uh, by critics. On that note, let me shoot up to Connor for a Rotten Tomato score. That is a first for Beyond the Bad. Oh, yeah. This is not... The last, either. We've got some shit films out there, but this is our first ever 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Congratulations, Cabin Fever 2016. Uh, 12% audience score. So even then, like, Christ. People hate, everybody hates this movie, except for 12% of people somehow. Uh, Curtis Consensus reads, no need for a quarantine. Enthusiasm for this inert remake is not contagious. Cute. Uh, and yeah, massive box office failure. And then everyone just stopped talking about it because why does this exist? <laughs> I remember the marketing. Sorry, before I get into question, get into question, the marketing for this was strange. It was like, I think the first trailer I ever, the only trailer I watched for it, actually, it just it was like a shot of the wilderness and it zoomed into the cabin and you can hear like the dialogue in the background and then it just went cabin fever coming soon. and i was like that was a shitty trailer like that was bad like you're clearly hiding something with this movie <laughs> i remember when i think you told me about this and i thought it was a joke i was like no this movie's not like at the time it was like 14 what 14 years old like that's pretty yeah. young for a remake and what like same script like why it, it sounded like a practical joke that like bloody disgusting would would throw on april fool's day but no it, it was real <laughs> yeah no it was real and yeah it does because bloody disgusting loves to do that april fools comes around they'll do at least like three four fucking articles that are actually just jokes but it's like i have i always have that i think one time they announced like they're going to do like 
I think it was like a PG 13, like predator or something like that, something or like a, a PG predator. And they get you. Cause I'll read that headline. Like the fuck. And I'm going to go, Oh, it's clearly an April fool's joke. Okay. Oops. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, uh, with that, before we get to into uh, this, to this film, uh, sorry, I was phone notification went off. Uh, before we get into the production and all that stuff with this film, uh, I know we've briefly touched on Ross for Cure Four because we have covered the original Cabin Fever on Filmgasm. I know, obviously, I'm a more bigger fan, but with that said, this question is kind of I kind of two two handed question in a way. So, this is your chance to give a little bit more in depth thoughts on good old Eli Roth himself, his career, kind of like where you stand on that. And then, and, and really kind of like this, I say this era of horror film, but really this horror remake craze that hit the fucking 2000s. Um, kind of like your, your thoughts on, the, on that as well. Well, Eli Roth is kind of the, you know, one of the early torture porn guys alongside, you know, James Wan and Darren Lynn Bousman with Saw. But Roth took it to another level with uh, with Cabin Fever and then with Hostel, where it's just watching people get really just viciously ripped apart and tortured. And I get the appeal, and then that could be fun. And But I also see why people don't really care for his work. Personally, I just I don't think he's a great writer. I think that his films are just really like frat bro douchebag dialogue peppered with mayhem. And that's, you know, that's fine. I will say, like, it, you know, and look, I, I still stand by, like, films are of their time, right? Yeah. They're always, everything yeah. in your team is, I stand by that statement. But with that said, I will say, as much as I love, because you know how much I love E. Roth and his work, um, especially his first few films, Cabin Fever, Hostel 1 and 2, um, it is sometimes hard to be like, hey, especially, like, when I'm talking to someone that's, like, really getting into horror, they want to expose some stuff. This is one that's kind of hard to do because I have to sit there and be like, look, he writes really frat, bro. He's gotten better as his career has gone along. He's finally tampered that down. Yeah. But he, he, that was like so big in those three films. And, you know, and he, and technically, was he wrong? And that's how, that is how people fucking talk, especially high school, college age students. Unfortunately, douchebag males talk, some still talk like that, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so, I mean, it's not like it's far from like how that type of person talks. But if you're trying to get someone into it for the first time, especially in today's culture, it's hard because then you're like, well, hey, just so you know, this is how he writes. This is going to be like the F, you know, mom's going to get thrown around and not fuck the other one. Um, that's going to get thrown around. There's going to be, you know, you might construe it as homophobia because there's a bunch of frat bro dialogue, you know, like that is in there. I'm not going to take that away from anyone. And I get on for a lot of people when it comes to his work, why it's hard for them to get into his work. I will give you that by all means. Well, for me, my problem with it is like, I, I get that it's, you know, college dudes of 2002 are going to talk like that. That's just how that's, that's how it works. But to me, it just, it makes the characters so unlikable that you just don't care. And that that's where it, it loses me. Cause hostile for me, I just thought it was gross because I don't care about any of these people going through this. I don't give a shit if they escape and that's not what you want. Um, I think I've seen every Roth film except the house with a clock at its walls, which I worked at draft house briefly. So I saw some bits of that. It looked okay. Uh, we covered death wish, the remake on this show uh, a few months ago. 
And that was interesting before we knew the whole deal about Bruce Willis. We said some things, Uh, but shifting to horror remakes, I have always hated remakes regardless of genre, but horror gets hit with it so much. Like every, everything that was ever a success is going to be remade at some point. And in horror, it seems like we get four or five a year and they almost always suck because they just, they, there's no incentive to make anything good because they just slap the name on there and people are going to see it automatically. That's the way they think with these. And I mean, cabin fever alone is like such a great example of how not to do it. Like just take the same script, give us some nobodies, do exactly the same thing. And just hope people get confused because <laughs> that's what happened. A lot of the reviews I was reading about this were like, this is, you know, I, I thought I was watching the 2002 movie. And by the time I realized it, it was too late. Like they're fucking tricking people into watching this. <laughs> I had to finish this. Oh no. It's yeah. funny because in some, I think on Prime, when I was trying to find a fucking this is a hard film to rent currently. Um, when I was looking it up on Prime to rent, it shows Cabin Fever 2016, but it takes a screenshot from the 2002 film. Oh, that's some poor shit. I don't like that. And I'm like, that's horseshit. Don't you dare. As someone who really likes the original film, do that to that goddamn film. But this shit. Um, I, I'm i in the middle. I'm actually like, as I'm more 50-50 when it comes to horror remakes. I mean, along obviously with the torture porn era that I was a teenager in, obviously with that, I, and you know, same with you too, because we're not really that much different in age. Um, it's only a two-year difference, I think, right? Yeah. 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 We're in the same um, generation, bro. Yeah, so it's like, you know, we both grew up around the same time as that, and also the horror remake was fucking huge, thanks to that one-two punch of Chainsaw Massacre 2003, and then uh, The the Ring, not The Grudge, The Ring, before that for J-Horror, you know, like, that one-two punch made we're like, all right, we're doing all of it, and that's what they did. Well, I mean, like, they're not all terrible. Like, occasionally you do get one where somebody takes an existing property, they put their own spin on it, they throw in homages, they make it their own, and you get something really cool, like with Texas Chainsaw 2003. But a lot of times, it's just lazy. Like, you know, Elm Street 2010, or Cabin Fever 2016, or what's what's some other ones that sucked? Uh, the Thing 2011. I was, like, how we both follow that next? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Fog 2005. Like, anything <laughs> Carpenter, really. And it's just, yeah. it's it's upsetting and annoying. And now you got to tell people like, oh, you know, I love Halloween. Which one? Ugh. The 2007 one? No. 2018? No. 1978? It just gets annoying. <laughs> yeah, it does. And uh, I will I will say I'm, I'm a little more lenient with Halloween just because Rob Zombie did attempt. He was trying to do something different and still respect. I just, again, it's in our case where like he was... Roth is big into was big into frat bro dialogue. Zombie after those rejects just kept doing that like hillbilly, um, fucked up dialogue. Which in that case to me just didn't really work in Halloween. Again, I think it was his peak when with that dialogue in Devil's Rejects because the characters it just worked well for them. Um, yeah. Not so much for Halloween, uh, two thousand seven. Um, but yeah, I'm. I think that's why I'm fifty fifty or like where I'm in the middle. Where it's like it really depends on how they approach it. I'm with you, like. If and that's why I'm big about following what's happening on with movie news and like disgusting or IGN and stuff like that. So I want to know what the directors what they're thinking. And if it smells like something like Texas Chainsaw or you know, I'll say it Friday 13th, because guess what? I don't think 2009 remake is that bad. 
all you Friday the 13th fanboys need to calm down. It was literally like every other film in that franchise, and I highly enjoyed it. Um, but when, you know, it's clear that they're approaching it, or Evil Dead 2013, um, when, you know, they're clearly approaching it with this idea of like, look, we're not taking away what came before. We are just adding our own spin to it. Like you said, we're going to put our homages in there, and we're going to at least keep that spirit of what people loved about the original alive in this new movie. Mm. Then I think it can work and can you can get a really creative new film out of it. But like you said, when something like Captain Fever, Nightmare on Elm Street 2010, The Thing 2011, and it's clear that they were just wanting to get something out quick and get, you know, ride that wagon at the, for in the case of The Thing and Nightmare, you know, ride that wagon at the time. Cause I think remakes were still fucking huge at that point. Now it's like you get every, like I said, you get every so often. Yeah, it's a thing. But at that point, we're getting it all the time. It was just clear that they were just trying to ride a wave, do whatever they could to get people to be like, oh, yeah, we recognize that brand. We'll go see it. You know what I mean? Like, there was no heart in it at all. And it, and it shows. Yeah. It reminds me of just like, like it's, 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 uh, it's new Coke. Like, it kind of tastes like Coke, but not really. And they're just luring you in so they can get you to buy Coke Classic. Like, that's what it's all about. It's brand recognition okay. and it's a shitty product that's just going to remind you of the better product. So you're just going to go buy that again. I love how he, he used new Coke. I think season three of Stranger Things, because of the year it took place, they had new Coke in the, in the season. And I guess Coke wanted to jump in on that and they resold new Coke, but I think it like it tanked because only because they were like, we're just putting it in because that's the year it came out and the year it takes place in Stranger Things. <laughs> Well, didn't New Coke tank the first time? Yeah, that's where they got rid of it. It tanked. Yeah, like why would they re- revisit that? It's fucking yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, it. It's like, I hope Dr Pepper never does that. I will lose my mind. Nostalgia I'm only. Little... Nostalgia only works if people remember something fondly. <laughs> the companies seem to forget that part sometimes. Sony, but Morbius. The most yeah. recent example. Yeah, nostalgia also does not mean like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, it it depends. You know, for every for every shitty horror remake I have sat I really just remake. I don't want to relegate it to horror because we've we've had plenty of like non-horror remakes over the years. For every shitty remake I've sat through, I've sat through one that surprised me. You know what I mean? Like I've sat through one where I walk away going, okay, I didn't mind that as much. Um, sometimes it could be like, I just, like I said, I don't, Friday 13th, I don't understand why people come at it. I think it's a really fun movie. I don't, I don't get the hate. Um, or something like in the case of Friday Night, I actually saw the remake first. So I didn't have that, that fandom of the original going into it. I was just like, oh, hey, because I remember at the time I tried at the time it was fucking difficult. Now it's easy. It's a little easier to get that movie. I've seen it on Prime all the time. I think there's a Blu-ray readily available finally. But at the time, I was like, "What the fuck do I find this original movie? Holy shit!" Um, so I just I went in and watched the remake, and I liked it. And I'm I'm sure who knows? My my mind would have been different had I seen the original. Maybe not. I don't know. I just remember liking the that. So you know, it, yeah. For every good one I watched, it was always like a sea of bad, like this. Yeah, and that's just the game you play, really. You know, I mean, I don't. I just, I've, I've learned to be distrustful of remakes until I see it for myself, and 
a lot of times I don't really want to see it for myself. Like I think my, my most recent burn has been Firestarter. And yeah, yeah, Blumhouse was really, really trying to get us in on that one. Yeah. Ugh. But you know, I got you know, you gotta maintain some level of faith, or else, like, why would you keep watching movies? It's just part of it's part of the game. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, at the same time, for those who are like, why do they remake everything? Blah blah blah. Well, again, it's like I talked about why there's so many Marvel films and you know DC films at the box office. Um, well, speaking of which, we're about to not have our our flash after that film finally comes out. Um, DC finally, finally fucking said something. Jesus, we're getting that later. Um, or really, WB finally said something. Um, yeah, uh, so you know, the reason that all this stuff keeps coming out, these franchise sequels come out, these remakes come out, because guess what? They make money at the box office. I've seen even shitty remakes make fucking money at the box office because people know the brand so basically what we're saying is it's your goddamn fault stop 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 seeing all this shit movies you guys want things like everything everywhere all at once go make that movie make a billion goddamn dollars at the box office and then maybe we'll get more shit like that we've already yeah the north man has already lost so that's a that's dead weight now but there yep. are opportunities for original film to make a splash, and we we never fucking take it. <laughs> we never take it. We were just talking about this on the Nice Guys episode of, on Filmgasm this past Wednesday. The Nice Guys was a great original action comedy that made almost no money, so it disappeared. Like that's that keeps happening, <laughs> especially now. Yeah. And it's to the point that, like, you know, I see it all the time. People talk about, like, oh, I was going to see it, but the theater took away the, the ticket to, you know, add more times for, let's say, Top Gun and Traffic World, because those are two big ones out right now. Um, and, yeah, that's shitty on the theater, but at the same time, again, if they're making money on that movie, and that's what's drawing money into it, and not, let's say, back when No Way Home came out, and for some reason the studio dumbly thought to release fucking Nightmare Alley on the same weekend. Mm. Um yeah, they're going to start giving away the show times to the movie that no one's fucking paying money to go see to, you know, Spider-Man. Because that's making, you know, that's breaking records. That's people are going on tropes to see that. Um, even or even think about recently, um, I know it's kind of it might be controversial because Fathom apparently fucked it up. But the thing for its 40th anniversary it came back to theaters on Sunday and will begin Wednesday. It actually made 500,000. 500, Huh. In a one showing theater, so it's like, and again, I I, I kind of lumped that in that like brand recognition. Everybody knows what the thing is, so it's like if you guys want shit like this more often, like you need to respond like that because they, they pay attention to the fucking money. Yeah, I just can't stand people who bitch about the lack of originality in Hollywood and then completely ignore the original fresh movies that come out and like, well, what do you want? Yeah. Also, if that's the case, don't go to the theater, just stick to streaming because that's when most of the original shit's coming out nowadays, the streamers. Yeah, it's true. Thanks to that, like very few movies are going to just disappear anymore. Yeah. So stop bitching, just find it and, you know, pay for a theater. Um, I don't got much else on this if you want to go into development hell. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> 
starting all the way in 2011. Shortly after the um, announcement of the franchise third installment slash prequel film that did come out, it's on TV. It's the only one now I officially have not seen because the second film sucked ass as well. Uh, Cabin Fever, Patient Zero. Um, when that was announced, they announced a fourth film uh, was in development with the intention to shoot both the films back to back. Original intention back in 2011. Um, they brought on board Texas Chainsaw 3D screenwriters Adam and Deborah Marcus to pin the script, which, if you actually listen to them in interviews, they get fucking destroyed by the studios. Adam Marcus, for those who don't know, was the director of uh, Chasing Goes to Hell the Final Friday. Um, as he famously was nice enough to tell us, because Sean basically us know that Sean S. Cunningham is a fucking asshole, which you, I'm sure you can tell from the legal issue that's mostly him. Um, he Adam Marcus at the time, about 22, said on the movie group with Adam Green and Joe Lynch that Sean Cunningham came up to him and said, You gotta get rid of the fucking mask in this movie. Then when the movie did shitty, Cunningham put all the blame on him, did not own up to a single thing. That's that's that sounds like the work of an asshole. Yep. Because you got to remember, this was his first film. So do you think a guy in his 20s, first film, is going to really do that? As opposed to the guy who's been producing this film, this franchise since the beginning. At that point, he had to be in like his 40s, maybe his early 50s at that point. Like he's seasoned. Yeah. Um, so that and also with Texas Chainsaw 3D, um, I read a thing on Blade Disgusting. He talked about the development of that in his script. They hacked the shit off his script. Half of what he had was taken out of the script because they had a shady producer and the he tried getting he apparently at one point just disappeared with the money. Um he yeah, he he took out like he had all these scenes that were set up that like because the money was getting slashed in half constantly, he was being told to take that scene out, they can't afford it. No, take that scene out, we can't afford it. Um he was adamant that the whole you get him because he's like, I didn't write that shit. He goes, that was not in my fucking script. <laughs> he's like, I that he's like, that shit was stupid. I did not write that. Why does this keep happening to him? You think like how many times does he have to learn maybe to stay away from the tent poles? I think well, he he mostly does independent stuff now. He is mostly stuck independent. I okay, think so he's got so burnt out. So it's a fool me twice kind of situation. Okay. Yeah, so that's why I said I saw your face, and this is for the the fans. I don't come at Adam Marcus like this guy. If you really listen to like his side of it and like what he says, like this guy's been fucked by Hollywood on two different franchises. So I'm sure with this, if they left his script alone, would have been fucking great. Um, maybe, but like, what has uh, he done? What has he done um, outside of the franchises that proves that he's like? He's good. I don't know. I haven't watched his independent stuff. So I don't know if this guy's good versus his studio interference being shitty. Like those two aren't, you know, correlated. Just because the studio intervened and made the movie shitty doesn't mean his movie was going to be amazing. It absolutely means that. <laughs> well, his original script, what he was talking about doing for like originally for Texas Chainsaw 3D, would have been a good movie. 
everything he talked about I was like that sounds way better than the movie I got well I guess we'll never know I I'll maybe we'll we should check out some of his independent stuff to get a vibe on this guy I will I I've been meaning to whenever I have time um but he was him and, and Deborah is his wife so Adam and Deborah Marcus you know uh husband and wife they were tapped to pin it and they had it at that time it was our cabin fever outbreak I don't, like, I don't like it i like it <laughs> you know it makes so much sense because it's not like there's an outbreak already happening on a small scale whatever um uh there was a planned spring 2012 production start in the dominican republic for this um the initial plot for this would be a direct sequel to Patient Zero and then follow a doctor on a Caribbean island attempting to contain the virus. So, you know, outbreak. We have to contain the outbreak. Now, see the title? It makes sense. Sounds like the movie Outbreak. <laughs> oh, what you're talking about. <laughs> Starting to doubt this guy's credentials. I'm just saying that. Look, you're just being a hater. Haters going to hate, haters going to ain't. All right. <laughs> nice, nice callback to a movie that only we saw. <laughs> yeah, and you guys, I don't look. Regardless of what's going on with James Franco right now, that movie is hilarious. Um. Uh. Well, speaking of the famous changes that happens, two of his scripts changes would be made to this one as well. With the final iteration taking place on a cruise ship. That makes sense because everyone gets sick on a cruise ship every time. Yeah. And if look, if I'm being completely honest, I like the idea of Cat Fever being small scale because we make it too large. It just feels like another fucking zombie film, essentially. Another I, virus film that I've seen a thousand times. I feel like I could totally get on board with Cabin Fever for cruise control. Like that should have happened. I think a cruise ship is the perfect vehicle for this kind of story. I've been I've been sick on a cruise ship. That shit spreads so fast. Look, I've been on a navy ship. I know. Any any navy listeners have heard of double dragon? That shit spreads. You're a double dragon? No, but I have a I have an idea, and I don't like where my head's at. It's it's when you have to both vomit. And shit. Yep, that's yep. not good shits. Yep. Not good relaxing shits. It's for pissing out your ass shits. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying the quality of, of said shit. I don't think anyone was thinking like, like at least that's relaxing. <laughs> it's not one of those where you feel relief in your body afterwards. It's like, okay, that's over. Can't wait for like 10 minutes from now. Oh, combine that with your skin melting off and you've got a pretty decent movie. Yeah, that's what I say. Like, honestly, Cabin Fever, I think Contain works way better. Yeah. So I actually do think, yeah, having it be on a cruise ship would have worked better. You could have, yeah, you could have had a lot of extras, but you could have followed, you know, obviously a very small group of people and you could have made that work. So I'm just saying that's a change I could be get, I could get behind. Um, with that, though, um, production for Patient Zero, keep all this in mind, Patient Zero is the film that did come out with uh, Samwise Gamgee in it. Um, really? Oh, yeah, he's in the cast. Uh, Bob for Stranger Things fans. Justice for Bob. Uh, Patient Zero would get delayed 
to August of 2012, and then to October of the same year. All of this, though, with no mention or further updates for Outbreak. Just say we delayed Patient Zero. What about Outbreak? Outbreak who? What? It'd be funny if he came out and was like, yeah, Outbreak came out in like 95. I've got the DVD right here. Dustin Hoffman, pretty decent flick. <laughs> what if they just like, they're, they just keep pulling out movies out their ass that involve outbreaks of some kind? Yeah, yeah Contagion, got right an Outbreak, here. I got 28 days later. Like, what do you want? Great. Cabin Fever, yeah, Cabin Fever, right here. It's on Blu-ray already. We want. <laughs> oh, you want Cabin Fever too? I don't know why that's so funny to me. Just a press conference dude, completely ignoring the question and just pulling out movies from his collection to shut people up. <laughs> at, the, at one point, he just says amazing things like, "Yeah, I got Lord of the Rings." What's that to do with Cabin Fever? I don't know. Lord of the Rings, extended collection, by the way. Right here. <laughs> like, sir, we don't... Why are you showing us this? <laughs> Does anyone else here own Greenhouse in its entirety? No? No? Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, that's great. Like, do you even work here, sir? Like, what? What are you talking about? Employee of the month? Yep, got it right here. <laughs> All right. Well, what happened? What happened to Outbreak? Well, supposedly by May of 2013, it was a. <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Did not have time to hit the, the mute button on that one. It came up on me. Like Everybody gets one. Shut up. This is my show. <laughs> <laughs> I own you. By May of 2013, <laughs> it was proposed to make a trilogy of films following Patient Zero. So they kind of did what we were just joking about. They never say outbreak. They're like, but hey, a trilogy of films. Am I right? At this point, like interest in this franchise has got to be at an all-time low. So like who it, is this for? It's it's not high because most fans, again, myself included, despise Cabin Fever 2. Like it's a shitty movie. So it's like, oh, cool, we're doing a prequel already. Like, I really care how this all originated in this fleshing the virus. So, you know, yeah, interest is not really high. Uh, that was in May of 2013, almost a whole year later, April 2014. They finally announced that Outbreak is scrapped altogether in favor of producing a remake to the original film. That's, that's a terrible, a terrible idea. The movie's too young to do again. I just like how they like they 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 strung people along for a long time and they finally went, all right. So out, outbreak is scrapped. Basically, I feel like anyone was wondering. I feel like they're like, you know what? People only seem to like cabin fever. So let's give them cabin fever. I guarantee you that's how it was pitched. Some assholes like, well, let's just do that again. You're they keep genius. saying this thing about. They keep saying, "I would love if fans are just like, yeah, what about the this third Cabin Fever film you're talking about?" They're like, "We keep hearing Cabin Fever, so we 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 heard you guys, and you've all been saying Cabin Fever, and they're just completely like ignoring three and four. You know what I mean? They're just like, yeah. So what we're going to do is this: we'll give you that remake that you're clearly wanting of the original film, <laughs> and we're changing nothing." Um, 
<sighs> so yeah, we uh, they they announced this finally, and uh, in October at this point things are finally moving, right? So in October, Travis. Z- Travis Z. I don't know how to say his damn last name. And you know what? The fucking film says directed by Travis Z. So fuck it. Travis Z, director of The Midnight Men and Intruder. Um, so seen those? Cool. I haven't. Um, was announced as director, and that he would be utilizing the original script written by Eli Roth and Randy Perlstein. I love to think that Travis Z was supposed to write this movie and he just fucking forgot. And he's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then he, he, he rented the wrong psycho. And he's like, wait a minute. I got it. And he just <laughs> grabbed the script off of like Eli Roth's shelf. And he's like, right here. I got it. <laughs> and someone's like, you know, this is written by Eli Roth. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Just to like write down spot, writes out the names, then writes his in crayon for some reason. The R is backwards. <laughs> Travis <laughs> Zay. <laughs> oh boy. I, I don't like that he like personalized his name like he's some rock star. Like Travis Z made this shit. Look at that. It's like Mac G, directed by Mac G. I'm like, dude. He's the he's no. the worst one. He's the worst one. He is. What says that he's made films I like, like both the babysitter movies, but I just hate the fact that he calls himself Mac G. I, I can't respect anyone who calls himself Mac G. Like it's I want to call him McGee if I ever meet him. Just to just to bug him, I want to call him McGee. Listen to your wall on McDonald. I mean Mac G. <laughs> God. Yeah. It's I, I find that annoying when people just like, you know. Boom, I'm a badass. Look at this. And then their product is shit. <laughs> Only musicians get away with this, right? Only rockers that want to do stage names and rap. And That's even it. then, you better be That's fucking good at it. <laughs> exactly. Furby, like Eminem, right? Furby make us not think about the fact that you're literally named after candy because you're that goddamn good at what you do. Yeah, nobody ever thinks about that because he's he's that good i love that very few people could pull that off you can't have a rapper start calling himself like skittles unless he's a mat he's a like the greatest rapper who ever lived oh what was the one an old mini minivan mini suburban oh my god mid yeah like mid-size mid-size sedan. Sedan. Mid-size mid-size. Sedan. <laughs> jesus i haven't thought about that in a while yeah, can't wait to rock out some mid-sized Dan. <laughs> uh, that's from the uh, horrendous M. Night Shyamalan film Old, by the way. So. Thug Life by mid-sized Dan. Uh, I can never tell if he's like in on the joke or completely unaware of it. I, do, <laughs> I don't know. I was acting horrendous in that movie. So, <laughs> oh. Well, with all this being said... Announced as director, quickly followed by like, I'm not writing this movie. I'm just using the original script, which to me is just bald. It's like, so I'm directing and I'm not writing it. I actually have the original script right here. Just going to use that, guys. We're going to save ourselves like at least two months of pre-pro that we definitely need on this movie. Um, Roth 
himself would sign on as an executive producer. That part not surprising. So I'm tracing like oh, I'll get money out of this either way. So you know, I get it. I'd probably do the same thing. Like yeah, it's just put me on my name on as a producer, and I'm not actually going to fucking give a shit. Uh, but get this, this part. Get this. I, I want to know what Travis Z Dog <laughs> pitched because apparently he was impressed with uh, Travis Z Man's pitch. What? That's what made him decide to join the film. What pitch? <laughs> there is nothing here that stands he, out. It's the same goddamn movie. <laughs> you think he just like stroked him off or something? He's like, look, listen, Eli, put on the pants. Come on. He's just like giving him the best hand draw. She's like, look, we're using your script, okay? <laughs> I'm not really going to change that much because you wrote it already. So. His ego stroke, a whole new meaning. Yeah, he just stroked his ego. Yeah, I bet that's it. He's like, you know what? Nobody can compare to your brilliant dialogue and stage direction from that first script. It is pure gold. And I would never presume to be able to write something as amazing. So with your kind permission, sir, I would, I would love to reinterpret the words of a legend. Yeah. Also, before you make your decision, I have cocaine and, and strippers waiting for you behind that door. So choose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's probably exactly what happened. Because I can't imagine like there being any sort of like formal pitch of the same exact movie. <laughs> I, 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 feel like, like, I think like, I was being punked or something. I felt like just when I was like, look, you made the greatest horror film of the 21st century. You did that. You. You are the horror director for a generation. And I, I, this humble peon, would love if I could direct a remake that utilized your script. Because I don't want to change a fucking thing. You should make- go every day. <laughs> Or maybe even funnier, Travis Z actually did pitch the original Cabin Fever to Eli Roth. That's all he needed for his ego stroke. Yeah, he just pitched the exact movie. And I wonder how many times has he done that since? Like, I'm picturing him at, like, Universal. He's like, okay, look. So there's this scientist, right? He's, a, he's obsessed with creating life. So he, he, he digs up all these bodies and he creates this body of his own, some kind of monster created by his his name is frankenstein by the way so that's what we're gonna go with (laughs) for some reason my mind was going reanimator i was like what if he's just pitching fucking reanimator i would love to i love this i would love this guy just pitching existing movies to random studios and And people constantly saying yes yeah he gets so many they're all approved because every time they're like that's fucking genius do it (laughs) because yeah it it worked the first time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wonderful. I, now I'm I'm picturing this guy doing that with like so many different movies. All of. Them. <laughs> All right, so I want to do Space Jam, okay? But listen, hear me out. <laughs> we get Michael Jordan back. There's this serial killer at this lake. He's got a hockey mask. He's after horny teenagers. <laughs> What's his name? Jason Voorhees. 
Just no, not even like a beat. It's like no pause, nothing, just immediately. He's holding the DVD in his other hand. <laughs> He's reading the back of the fucking DVD. That's his pitch. <laughs> He's like, and she, oh shit, you asked the villain. Sorry, the first one, Pamela. Sorry, I, I didn't read that far. Pamela Voorhees. My bad. I only watched the first half this morning, but I'm pretty sure I can get to the second half by two o'clock. <laughs> this is I love this this guy. <laughs> this whole concept is fucking hilarious. Anyway, somehow he pitched cabin fever again to Eli Roth. And uh what happened next? Oh <laughs> uh, Roth. Even though he was impressed, he ultimately had no involvement because um, he was working on a show over in the UK called South of Hell. So he went to go work on that instead. Um, so he was like impressed. Simon was like, producer, hey, I go work on something else though. Impressed. I, I love it. He's like, yeah, I, I loved it when I made that in 2002. It's a great movie. So, okay. Yeah. That's why I wonder, like, was he actually impressed or like he already had like, because he already had that thing he was working on that he just went. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, it was pretty good when I worked on it. So, yeah, go ahead and put me on as the executive producer. Yeah. I bet that, you know, after Cabin Fever 2 and 3 were just so fucking terrible, he just was half listening. He was just thinking, like, all right, I got to get on that flight to, what was it, England, you said? Uh, yeah, it was a, it's a UK show, South yeah. of Hell, so... I got to get that flight to the UK at six o'clock. So he's only half listening to this dude's pitch. And he's just, all he heard was cabin fever. Blah, 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 blah. So he's I just like he's booking a ticket. Yeah. He's like, sounds great, Travis. Yeah. All right. Uh, $500,000. Sure. That's my investment. Yeah. Cut print, check the gate, whatever. And they put his name on it and he didn't, he didn't even hear him. <laughs> no. And then he's like, and then as soon as he did that, he went, okay, there's a cheap ticket. Boom. All right, here we go. <laughs> Like, oh, I think wait, at yeah. one point, I have to get the details again, but uh, Adam Green was at one point attached to Cabin Fever 2. I think he left. Or no, no, he wasn't. Some weird thing Some weird thing happened with Adam Green, the studio, and Cabin Fever 2. Ooh. I forgot what happened. I'd have He talked about it on an episode, and I forgot what happened. I'd have to, I'd have to really look up the details. Um, well, we yeah, can do that, that when, we do, when we do Cabin Fever 2 down the road. We can look, on, look into all that. Yeah. So I know he was, I don't, I forget what happened. I know it was, he's not, I know he's not a fan of what happened. I'll put it like that. Um, I don't know if it ranks up there with his, his whole, like getting the note from producer that they need to take the water out of his Aquaman script, but I know it's up there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But with this, so while he used the original script, Z doggy dog, did make his own changes. I'm thinking of a new thing every time I say his name. So, um, and that was he tried making the characters more likable, debatable. Um, changed the death of the characters, also debatable. One kind of died exactly like how she did in the original film, and um, incorporated elements Roth was apparently unable to do in the original, which I didn't see any of that whatsoever and uh the one thing i don't understand he removed the comedic aspects because you know what let's just make a deathly serious horror film involving a flesh-eating virus 
because that hasn't been done 800,000 times already. <laughs> the only thing I can I noticed immediately from a T to the Zizzles changes was um, that part where Bert is like, no GTA 5, no Black Ops 2, no Minecraft, because that shit didn't exist in 2002. That was the only moment where I'm like, oh, okay, that's how you're going to modernize this thing. He's a gamer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you, because the GTA 5 reference, I'm like, you did that because it came out that I remember in that same year being at GameStop at midnight, getting my copy of GTA 5 because I was fucking pumped. So fuck you. You're just trying to, yeah, modernize it that way. And also the fact that this Bert's much skinnier than the original Bert like better thing i noticed and that he has an assault rifle but i'll get inside in a minute um oh he also z to the to the hizzle whizzle uh he trimmed the page count from 124 to 92 right yeah pretty big fucking change if you ask me pretty significant so he just sucked out all the jokes. Anything, anything that like leaned into a little lighthearted humor got removed. And that's kind of it. Cause I, I really don't see that big of a change apart from just tone. I don't think you understand 124 to 92 pages. That's quite a lot. I'm sure he waited. I'm, you- I'm trying to keep a straight face while I say that it's really hard. <laughs> I'm sure he waited until Eli was in the UK and then he's like, all right, slice that fucker open. <laughs> well, now that he's gone, let's think of all these stupid jokes that, you know, made the original, especially the, and look, this is the thing too. When that one came out in 2002, that was on the press press when all we got was the deathly serious horror films. I'm not saying that again, I'm very fond of that period of horror. I am. And the fact that Eli Roth, regardless of how it's aged, I get it. I understand. The fact that he's like, hey, let's put some humor in this and make it fun in a way. I respect that. I like that. It made it stand out from the pack because it was there was humor. There was an attempt to have a little bit more fun mixed with the what we expected that period of horror, which is a very extreme gore and you know violence. Um, so the fact that they said, let's take that out, which to me is you're taking out kind of the identity of the first film. You're already taking away a bit of the heart. I'd say taking away a bit of the heart because you're taking away like a pretty key component that people remember from the original film, which is a lot of the more comedic aspects to it. Well, I mean, that just further exemplifies like the point that what this is is just a like soulless cash grab wearing a cabin fever costume. <laughs> that's that's what a lot of these remakes are, especially when they just take what people liked about the original and remove it. Like, well, then why are you why are you here? What is this for if the people who were going to see it aren't going to like it? I don't know. I don't know. There is one final change, though, that he made. I know that much. The final one that we see on screen, the most epic of them all, other than 124 to 92 pages, is that he would gender swap the character of Deputy Winston. That's right. Before the Me Too movement, ladies and gentlemen, gender swap the character of Deputy Winston, bringing in his frequent collaborator, Luis Linton. Uh, he did this because he felt there was no other way to emulate the performance of 
I'm going to assume Giuseppe is how you say the, the gentleman's first name. That's how it's spelled. Uh, Giuseppe Andrews. On one hand, not wrong. You can't emulate that because I actually do really like him in the first kind of fever. He is clearly in on whatever the fuck is going on with the joke and just commits whole hog to that character. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, the gender swap makes no fucking sense. There's right. no justification in this film for doing that. No, and if anything, she plays it way too serious and it ruins the joke. She she at points plays it serious, but then is like clearly saying lines of dialogue and trying to deliver it like he did, and it doesn't work. Well, in the first, like in the original, it feels like he's trying to like he wants to hang out with them. But in this one, it's like she clearly wants to fuck him. Yeah, yeah. In the original, it's like it's almost like Rot's take on more small town police force. Now this guy is just an idiot. He doesn't really want to be a cop. He just wants, as he says, he wants to party, man. Yeah. <laughs> but with with her, right? It's it. They just go through the tired, generic road. She's in on it thing that I've seen in, again in so many other fucking horror films and again but mixed with her her at points trying to say the same type of dialogue it just doesn't doesn't work as well um, but yeah it's weird I'll get more into her later trust me that she made a certain award uh, hint hint um, but yeah it's just it's weird I don't I I look Full disclosure, I could care less when I hear about this, like, their gender swapping characters. I am not one of those people that gets on there and goes, like, why would they do that? Like, shut the fuck up. Like, give the actor, like, uh, you know, the recent thing with the whole uh, Hellraiser um, announcement that uh, they're getting, um, I think it's Jamie Clayton, I believe, is the actress's name. Um, He was also, I believe, either non-binary or gender fluid. I forget which. Um... But, you know, the fan base guy is such an uproar and being like, oh, it's a female playing panels. Like, first off, shut up. Let's see how she does. We haven't seen footage. Second off, read the fucking book or at least do some research before you throw a tizzy that it's not Doug Bradley. So, like, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm saying, like, I'm not, I'm not on that base. But if you are going to do it, please make it worth it. Like, please, like, I want to say justify. I feel like that's still like the wrong word to use, but make it worth it. Like make a good case for why you did this. Well, just maybe toy with the script a little to make it make more sense than just use the same exact dialogue and expect everyone to just not feel like this is a completely different situation. It's yeah. I get where you, I get where you're at there. Yeah. I just have to say that because I feel like I'm, for good reason there's because so many people bitch all the time when they do it for no good reason honestly that's like i'm not coming from that perspective i could care less they want to make w winston a female cool with that but yeah make it like make it worth it don't have to regurgitate the same line of dialogue and it just not be nearly as good yeah um with that that's really all i got in uh Production apparently went off fine because they weren't really doing anything different. <laughs> um, and all yeah, at this point is that ultimately, um, as I said earlier, this film would severely underperform at the box office. Um, yes, it was a limited release. It wasn't a huge theatrical release, but even then, it only made a couple thousand. And like, it was not 
even for limited, pretty pretty bad reception. Um, and receive, as we talked about, overwhelming dislike from critics. Uh, many questioning why the film even exists, um, think, especially since it's shot for shot and that's nothing new to the franchise. Absolutely nothing new. Um, and to an extent, and I'll say because I've seen the second film, I haven't seen uh, Patient Zero yet, but I have not heard good things. It's also pretty poorly received. But kind of, this just to me further proves that really enough, apparently this concept Eli Roth came with, came up with, was only good for one film. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, it's not really a surprise, but just, you know, sucks that they kept doing it. They just kept trying to bring people in and I guess they just gave up and was like, fuck it, we'll just, we'll do it again. We'll do the first one again. Hopefully it's dead now. Like, this should be the movie that killed the Cabin Fever franchise. This should be it, yes. Um, I haven't, I'll say it should be, I haven't heard a peep since then. Um, I'm sure even now Eli Roth's like, yeah, let's not not do that again. Um, he, he, uh, he was on a recent, I think it was, it was last season? Maybe? He was on a recent episode of Joe Bob Breaks. Um, and I, I, it was last season because when they weren't able to have people on the show, they had to do like a weird zoom thing with the guest um unlike this unlike this up upcoming episode on friday which will have charles band and larry facinden on it in the studio i'm looking forward to that episode um but uh he was on it you know he you know he spent a lot of time giving very good reasons on why he did certain films in his career specifically things like a house with caucus walls things like death wish and he can he can back up to his credit he'll back up why he picked those films why he did those films to his credit, he will do that. I haven't have yet to hear him try to justify this film as a producer. Yeah, I don't think anybody can do that. Uh, yeah, certainly not Travis Z, the great pitch man of Hollywood. <laughs> I hope he has like a reputation. I would love it as like, like, oh, is Travis Z pitching it? What movie is he pitching us today? <laughs> I would just love if, like, before every meeting he has with the studio, he goes to, like, some thrift store, buys, like, five random DVDs, and then goes up there and just <laughs> reads, reads the backs of those. Right, so I was thinking... <laughs> I was thinking, you guys remember Small Soldiers when you were kids? Yeah, okay, that. I just got the Blu-ray. <laughs> That's his whole pitch. He's like, the Matrix, you remember that? That. <laughs> and then he just waits for like props. <laughs> like, aren't I a genius? Huh? God. Fight Club? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> God. That's fantastic. Uh, all right, on that note, I don't have anything else for uh, development hell. That was actually it. I, luckily, it was more than last week's movie. Um, so unless you got anything else, uh, I'd say we are good to go to the awards section. All right. All right so let's do it. First up, the Zack Snyder first scene. What did you come up with? Which look, I want to say real quick, in a way, this was like the hardest and easiest thing to do at the same time. So I'm watching the same film, but everything done way worse. 
and it's like what the fuck do i pick because i uh, it took me a while but what do you got i do have the scene with uh with the cop with uh deputy winston who now shows up and is like it, it looks like it's about to turn into a porno because she's like you like the party big boy and like just like it feels like she's seducing him <laughs> and it's so weird and out of nowhere and it's not funny it's just like dark and you just keep waiting for the other shoe to drop but it doesn't and i just thought like this doesn't make any sense and then i, I remembered deputy wisdom from the first one and i'm like oh wait a minute they're trying to do that but they're really fucking it up <laughs> like so yeah mm, that was fine deputy winston in the first one made a splash and i've i've remembered him since the first day i saw that movie this one Made me go, why is she trying to fuck him? Why does she have a scar? And why are we not falling through with anything you're setting up? <laughs> yeah, the scar didn't make any sense. I thought she had the virus. But that's not what that was. That was just some some scar that got no explanation. Yeah, I was like, all right. And then, like, there, there was more with her where it's just like, why they do her character? Like, how she sent the one guy into the woods. Like, they actually kind of made her evil. And I was like, that wasn't the point of Deputy Winston. In the original, he wasn't a bad guy. He was just like the party. Yeah, he was just a dope. <laughs> yeah. What do you I'm have? Sure you're the party, man. He's got to see the badge, and they don't know it, but I still like the party. All right. Uh, my my scene I picked. And again, like I said, I, I, I had a lot written out. And this one took the cake because, holy shit, do a better job, bro. It's the scene when Paul has to put Karen out of her fucking misery. And he is the absolute worst at doing this. This whole scene is terrible. Like, look, I know I made that joke when we did Texas Chancellor Massacre about, like, when Jessica Bill stabs her friend, like, the worst place possible to end his misery. But at least she had to do one thing and he died. Like she, he did die from that, that one thing she tried. This guy takes a shovel and can't even fucking bat. I think, you know, he's going to bash her head in. Like, okay, because he apparently just, as we learn later, just doesn't know how to turn the fucking safety off an assault rifle, which not shy. Not anyone who has a gun knows it's actually like the easiest thing to find on a gun. It's like a simple little switch on the side of the gun. And it even says safety on it and on off or some kind of color coding it's not hard to find um so he can't shoot her and then it's easy so he's like let me try this shovel and go back to the original film pull but whereas in the original film Ryder strong aka sean as like comics the boy meets ward was able to pull it off with the shovel he like stabs her in the fucking like mouth and that was it he tried it once was like ooh. I can't do this. <laughs> she just tells them, kill me. So he his his final solution to make her misery worse is to throw gasoline onto her, light her ass on fire, and you we have to listen to her scream as she's burning to death. As soon as this whole thing played, I was like, Yep, this is the scene because you, sir, I'm never asking to end my misery with ever. Holy shit, are you ineffective? <laughs> I I had a much different reaction to that scene, and I will be talking about it later. Uh, 
Did you like that scene, you son of a bitch? I will have. I will say my bit when we get there, but. <laughs> God damn it, it's in your silver. I thought, fuck you. <laughs> he was terrible at what he did. Moving on to the Edwood. Worst line, what do you got? Uh, I have one because I have heard all of these lines before. And they most of them work the first time. Uh, so I, I stayed in the Deputy Winston scene. And I just think this is a terrible line. I bet you like to party. I bet you like to party with the ladies. Like, who the fuck talks like that? I'm so glad I wrote down two because that was one of my two I wrote down. <laughs> All right. It was, it was so bad. I bet you like to party. I bet you part, like to party with, uh, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> When one parties, I like to do with other people, and usually there's a good mixture of men and women involved with that. Well, at least in the first, like in the original movie, he was just this dopey small town cop that made sense that he was asking dumb questions like, you know, hey, I'm hip. I'm cool, too. I party with ladies. But this time, she's like a serious, hard-nosed cop who's asking the dumbest questions and saying the dumbest shit. So, yes, it did did not work this time. I also like it sounded like a, a lead up to like a porn sequence. Like I bet he likes to party with the ladies because then his girlfriend or the chick he's trying to fuck comes out, and it's like, is this going to lead to like a porno? Like is this, this sounds like set up to a fucking porno. It felt like that too. I I was waiting for like the I was like, did I did I rent the right Cabin Fever? The, the music just starts playing. Did I rent Cabin Beaver by accident? Cabin Fever, a triple X porn parody. Uh-huh. Uh, well, that was one of my lines. My other one, and this is purely for delivery, is when um Paul spied in the people that in the fucking the trailer out in the woods, and you never yeah. see what actually is going on in there. Like they know they're like, we're not going to show you. You don't need to see that. But like. Within two seconds of him spying, the his that lady comes out and fucking has a shotgun on him. And the part that I wrote down is when the husband comes out, like almost damn near naked. And the way he delivered this just made me laugh because it was so bad. And he goes, You're sick spying on our love making. Like the way he said it, I'm like, why do you say it like that? <laughs> yeah, that also, was so were you because that, that was gross. that was gross and weird and everybody they encounter is so strange and unhelpful and i i think that happened in the original movie but it seemed like it got amplified here it did and it just it doesn't make sense to me because the way the scene plays out is that like he's there for two seconds and a shotgun's on him already <laughs> at least in like in the like in the original i remember he goes to the house you do get the shot of like the wife doing her thing in the bedroom to give a, enough time of like, okay, maybe the husband saw him from far away or whatever. So it's played to me, it's played a lot better. But this one's just like, why? And then why did you say it like that? Spying on our love making? Like, you were the only one in there, apparently. One thing I did notice that I, I don't know, I, this doesn't play in any of my awards, but it was just something I, I thought was odd. Why does nobody like announce themselves 
before they start walking towards people from behind in this movie. Like everybody. No, you know, they don't go like, hey, or you know, it's me, or how are you doing? They just get as close as possible so they can ah, scare the shit out of them, regardless of what the situation is, the entire fucking movie. Because horror movie has to horror when it's using the same script. <laughs> yeah, that's that that was that was annoying. Yes. Well, with that. Then let's move on to our Steven Seagal, the worst performance. Let's see if we're different or same time. What do you got? I have Dustin Ingram as Bert. The game. Okay, we're di- we are different. I, I had him right now as a backup. So I was like, oh, he was a possibility, but I went with someone else. But yeah, go on. I just hated his entire character. How he's supposed to be that looks like anybody who gets labeled a gamer, I immediately don't like them. And this guy, like, you know, bringing the assault rifle, nearly killing Jeff, I think it was, at the beginning where he's like, it's not even the safety's on. <laughs> and completely blasts his entire area. It's like, this guy's just an asshole, and he's the, the single male friend who's, like, there to cock block, basically. And oh, yeah. the guy, there were moments of his performance that reminded me of Tom Green. And that was a big oh, old red yeah. flag, and I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck this guy. Yeah, you know it's funny. The Texas man came out when he fucked this dumbass shot the assault rifle and almost killed his buddy. And I literally yelled to him, I was like, "Get your hand off the fucking trigger!" Yeah, I don't own a gun, but I I get trigger discipline. That should be a basic concept. Yeah, look, I'm going to tell anyone who owns a gun knows the biggest thing about our, our responsible gun knows the biggest thing. The biggest rule is gun safety, obviously. But there's a couple of like top fucking three rules they follow. Never point it at someone unless you intend to shoot it. So pretty much if you're going to murder, yeah, but don't point at anyone unless then, you know, always act like it's loaded. You always keep it on fucking safety and you never put your finger on the trigger until you intend to shoot. Well, those are four rules, but I appreciate where your head's at. <laughs> Whatever. Top five. There you go. Top five <laughs> rules. Point is, the Texas is me. He came out. I was like, "You fucking idiot!" It's it still doesn't add up. I don't care. Two plus two equals five. You tell me you're giving me three rules. You give me four rules, and then you tell me it's five rules. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Rule five. Clean your gun. There you go. Clean your gun. Rule five. Rule number one. You happy? I'm number one. <laughs> Rule number six. I make up the number as I go. All right. <laughs> yeah, he just was he was irritating. So I, I went with him. And yeah, there was no saving nature of the character. I think he's the one who dragged Karen into the shed. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny too? Is that talking about like making the characters likable, right? I would argue. Bert, who was pretty like I would say the most quote unquote problematic character of the original film. I like the original Bert better than I do this one. The original one makes me laugh. He's a fucking idiot, which is his whole point, anyways. That this guy's a fucking idiot that somehow is hanging out with these people. And um, 
with that like they they ran they ran with the joke of that much better in the original than whatever the fuck they were trying to do here and making him likable i feel like i actually liked him way less here was he the guy in the ron jeremy t-shirt in the, the original i think so yeah he went to go shoot the schools with his pellet gun so that was the thing it wasn't even an actual it was a fucking bb or something like that yeah. not a fucking ar-15 yeah <laughs> jesus uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think anybody comes across more likable. Everyone just comes across as like a carbon copy of a character I didn't need to see twice. Yeah. And you know what? As far as like the names, Serena Vincent looks better. I'm just saying. She was hotter. Sorry, ladies of this one. <laughs> I don't know about that. But uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, for mine, I went with Louis Linton, Deputy Winston, because, yeah, you're right. You can't re- emulate that performance, and pff, this is what happens. <laughs> this is just no. Just, just no. It's it. She plays it too dark. It takes away what I liked about him in the original. It's it's just not good. She is not good in this. I don't like how they do her character. Like. I, yeah, I not like her in this movie. I hate her scene when she's doing this weird thing of like trying to be more serious, but they're still using the dialogue from the original film. So it's like, are you trying to be serious? Or are you trying to be funny? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm with you, man. She, uh, she, she feels like she was lifted from like the porno version of this and thrown in this movie. Her whole character doesn't mesh with anything that's going on, and this the joke like. The other shoe never drops. It just all build up to some like goofy joke. You keep thinking like someone's someone's going to laugh, right? There's like this can't be what's really happening in the movie. And then we never get that second half. It's- yeah, because even in the original, like in this one, she's ran out like the last receiver. She, she shoots fucking Jeff and then sends Paul out to die in the woods like Jesus. In the original one, the last thing that happens, we see him is that sure enough, the punchline was, hey, look, he never got help. He's at a fucking party. Like he was talking about, that was the punchline. He's at the party. Hence why Ryder Strong had that big old, supposed to get the tow truck for us, Winston. Where's the tow truck, Winston? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they have their big thing at the thing. And then he takes him to the fucking hospital where he has his talk with the, the chief. And then the other punchline of like, oh, yeah, I took care of the bio chief. Which is then found out the dumbass fucking threw him out in the woods near the river, near the goddamn water. Mm-hmm. So it's like there was actual like punchlines and like progress with his character that I was fine with in the original. And this one, I'm just like, what the fuck the whole time? Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird decision. Like, I'm pretty sure you can replicate like idiot stoner cop. I've seen it done a hundred times. Like, I don't know why you decided to go in such a wildly different direction with it. Ah. <laughs> uh... Well, with that, that might be a segue. Something we may both have, who knows? I don't know. I don't know what you have for this. But Michael Bay, first filmmaking decision. What what did you come up with? So I was going to just kind of, you know, go the easy route with, you know, make, making Cabin Fever again was the worst decision. But I decided to, to change my mind on that. Um, there are moments in this movie where... <laughs> What's his name? Travis Z. 
straight up steals from better movies. And I don't know how he got away with that. The fucking theme from The Shining is at the beginning of this movie when they're driving to the cabin. Fuck you for even like having the balls to compare your piece of shit remake to that movie. And then I saw another scene that reminded me of Pet Cemetery. I saw another scene that reminded me of Friday the 13th. And I'm like, you asshole, you are jigsawing together a, like, a mesh of better movies to try to patchwork the holes in your piece of shit. <laughs> like, that, no, bad. You don't get to do that. I, I texted you when the Shining thing came on. I remember texting me like, I'm, I'm really listening to the Shining theme song right now. <laughs> See, when you told me that, I expected it to be like, kind of sound like The Shining or like an homage. I didn't know if they were really, they ripped the, the fucking exact music. <laughs> yeah. like, How dare you? And then like when the body of the burn guy randomly comes out of the water, I'm like, that's the end of Friday the 13th. Like, what are you doing? Yep. <laughs> it's one thing to homage, but you're like, you're copying entire scenes. You're literally using the fucking music from the movie and then putting it in your movie. Like that's that's a little bit more than just simple homages there, buddy. Yeah, so I had to I had to point that out and be like, you don't get to do that. You don't get to use better horror scenes and try to fool people into thinking that they're watching something artsy when really you're just stealing. Well, I'm glad you did that because I did kill the easy route. And not saying that they just did, like, just the simple fact that they, yeah, they used the original script to make a shot-for-shot film but we're like, hey, let's take away the campy fucking humor that I mentioned earlier that to me makes the original one unique. Take all that out and make a completely serious horror film that, you know, just now it's just like a replica of every other film I have seen in horror. Yeah, I that would piss me off. Too. If I love the first one, that would piss me off, too. Yeah, I was like, that's that's, all I got. that's why I texted you. I was like, even if it doesn't change your score. You have to have an appreciation now for the original after sitting through this travesty of a remake. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's just like, do what they did. Just, oh, God. Like, let's make it really serious. We're just going to use the same... Like, fuck you, dude. Like, what, what talent is in you using the same exact script? None. Don't try to fucking convince me otherwise. Um, with that, let's get to, I think for the first time, maybe the hardest time I've had on this, the server lining. Oh, dude, I almost left it. I, I almost like boycotted. I'm like, there is nothing good about this, <laughs> but I did find one where I was like, okay, I don't think that was supposed to be good, but all right. Karen's death. Okay. Is God so, damn it, God. Uh, hear, hear me out. Hear me out on this. Karen's death. I'm, I'm is, listening. It's so unintentionally hilarious. It feels like something out of scary movie. <laughs> he, he's going to shoot her. The gun clicks. It's not empty. He just somehow got the safety on and didn't realize it. He picks up a shovel. He's loved this girl his whole life. And he basically tortures her to death. He, he, he hits her with the shovel, like breaks open her jaw because he missed the throat. 
she is apparently unfazed by somehow this. she's not moving by the way she's not moving so i don't know how he did that no you and why would you stab you you go flat you you hit the skull like the, like Ryder strong did he had the right idea yeah <laughs> and but yeah then, like you like you were saying she's somehow unfazed <laughs> then she says to him with a ripped open face try again I was cackling. Because <laughs> after that, he pours gasoline on her. She starts screaming from gas in her fucking open flesh wounds. And then he just lights her up and watches her scream from outside. Like, you could have, there's so many different, you could have gotten a big rock and just smashed her head in and it would have been over. But instead, you let this poor girl have the most grisly painful death in the whole damn movie and i'm i just couldn't believe that i'm like this this was the first this is what you went with for this character like how unnecessarily brutal and just hilarious it felt like you know like that scene in austin powers 2 where the girl kept getting shot and like stabbed and she wouldn't die (laughs) that's what that's what was going through my head It is insane how the scene just keeps going. Yeah, I was just like, this like, can't be real. Like, this has got to be a joke. <laughs> no, it keep, like Ryder Strong, I t- to his credit was immediate. He's like, okay, look, I got this shovel. The gun's out of ammo. I think that was the thing. Like, the gun was legit out of ammo. So I was like, well, I can't use this anymore. And I have this shovel, so. I'll just use flat in and I'll bash her face in. I'll try to make it as quick as possible. Notice she never screamed. She like she took the hits like a champ, was like, yep, do it, end it for the love of God. This guy, oh shit, it's on safety. Can't use the gun. <laughs> and, how, and by the way, for those who are like, well, he didn't know. How do you know it's on safety? If you keep watching the movie, if you make it past this scene, <laughs> there's a scene where we get a shittier version of the rednecks attacking. Because again, everything's done shittier. Because if you like that, which I do love that scene when the rednecks attack and then like they attack back, like great, great fucking sequence in the original. And this, they just pop up on them and shoot Bert. And you're like, oh, wow, they're already here. Okay. One of the dumbasses tells them after you're just shooting them and it does the click again, he laughs, goes, oh, it's on safety. He fucking clicks it on and then mows down those three guys. <laughs> So that's how we know that shit was on safety in that scene. Jesus. Uh, well, what did, I'm curious what you had because I I couldn't I, I got not, I don't know I don't know what you found if you like if you've got anything positive to take away from this experience. I hate it every second. I watched Joe Bob the new episode of Joe Bob, which by the way was on the stepfather, the original stepfather. Great movie. Um, Taylor Quinn crushes it uh but for me the only thing i got the only thing i could come up with was the scenery is really nice wow (laughs) as as someone who's much more into the country than i am in the city nice scenery to look at really nice cabin i would have stayed my flushing disease would have stayed in that cabin for a week myself that is hilarious. The 
the only thing you could you come up with is that the woods looks really pretty. That I, was it. I, at first, I wrote down there was two sex scenes. I was like, no, those weren't really that great. Like, I got way more enjoyment seeing Serena Vincent in the original in her scenes. Um, and uh, then I was like, I'm not playing that. And then I was like, wait, if I don't put that, then what the fuck am I putting? Because I didn't like a fucking thing about this movie. <laughs> I almost was about to put like nothing. I was about to really sit there and be like, there's nothing at all positive. And then I came up with that, the scenery. I nearly had um, at least Eli Roth got paid. <laughs> that was going to be mine until the scene where Karen died like it was a Monty Python movie. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. Do you think, has this, uh, is this the worst one we've covered? Or maybe. Hmm. It was the pyramid. It's amazing that the worst ones for me have been like horror films. Um, well, no, then there's Freddy Got Finger. God, yeah, this is up there. Yeah. And I don't know. It might be the worst in sure laziness. I'll say that much. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that for sure. <laughs> At least the ones they were trying, but oh, God. All right. Well, that's our awards. <laughs> As you saw, uh, Silver Lining was really difficult this week. Uh, that's a first. I'm sure it will not be a last. Um, with that, let's, uh, let's, let's move on to our next segment, open up the box, and find out what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? This was interesting. As, as I said, a lot of the reviews on Letterboxd for Cabin Fever 2016 are, God damn it, I watched the wrong movie, which was just hilarious. But I did find some that really ripped this one apart. Uh, this is the lowest reviewed film we've covered so far. 1.6 out of 5 on, on Letterboxd. I, my, my 0.5 I gave it probably contributed to that. I would love if it was 1.7 and then you watched it and now it's 1.6. <laughs> uh, but here are five reviews on Letterboxd that I hope will make you laugh. Number one, this is from Chris Evangelista. If a movie makes you appreciate the, quote, artistry of Eli Roth, you're in trouble. One and a half stars. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, like I said, I, I, I get people's criticisms of Eli Roth. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I like him, but I get it. <laughs> uh this one's from Jake. This isn't over and we're all drunk, but fuck this sucks. Half a star. <laughs> he didn't even wait That's till the bad. movie was over. He's like, I already hate this. <laughs> I still got like 20 more minutes, but fuck, kill, fucking kill me now. <laughs> uh, this one was my favorite. This is from Tyler. To be fair, I should have known better. Half a star. <laughs> whose fault is it really i mean you chose to watch this <laughs> i like that like i could hate on them but i did watch this <laughs> i'm at least half to blame here <laughs> i love that oh, oh that was a good one <laughs> number four this is from joe valenti 
My first thought when a diseased man comes up to me for help is to beat the shit out of my car, squirt the dude with lighter fluid, and then act surprised when he catches on fire. <laughs> One star. <laughs> yeah, good good point. Good point there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, number number five, and I think this is a very good point. This is from Tuing Ten. At least they didn't say the N-word in this one. Half a star. <laughs> Forgot about that. I did. That's right. The shopkeeper. Yeah. Maybe that's where those missing pages went. <laughs> maybe. But again, I'd argue that that in a weird way pays off because then the black people come to the store and he tells it, says it to their face and they're like, oh, hey, man. Okay. I forgot about I'm that. not saying it holds up. I'm not saying it holds up, but again, Ross did put that at the end of it. It was like, well, see, again, he covered his bases in a weird way that this film did not. <laughs> well, that's what's in the box. A lot of very do hate, and it's going to be hard to, to top. I, 1.6 out of 5 is a low fucking film. I I can't imagine I, what's going to be. I want to know, know anyone, like, before we move on and cl- wrap this up, I want anyone that wants to like legit come and be like, well, I like this film. Explain yourself. Explain there were a couple. There were a couple man. that were like, I prefer this over Eli Roth's. Come at me. And I'm like, I will come at you. You're really, I guarantee you that's a, their, their answer is like, well, it's, it's more politically correct. Okay. And <laughs> other than that, <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's let's close out this episode because I I want to forget this movie for the rest of my life. Um, well, until we have what uh, something I have planned towards the end of the year, nice little countdown. Then I might revisit it then. But I'll I'll tell you more about that once we're done. Okay, you probably already have an idea of what I'm thinking of. Um, before I reveal, as usual, next week's episode. Let's do the social media. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. If you would like to donate and support in any way, you can find us on Anchor. And finally, you can get on our website, filmgasm.com, for review shows, articles, and all of our episodes. Uh, next week, we will be setting our sights on Vin Diesel for the first, not last time, and taking a look at what I believe is his only attempt to be in a legit family film other than voicing a fucking tree. <laughs> the pacifier. Harsh. <laughs> While I do like the character Groot, don't think I like Groot and I like James Gunn. He's saying three words. It's it's not that great of acting. That's true. Um, <laughs> the pacifier. This will be fun. Don't, yeah, you know what's funny? I've seen this once. It was when it came out. We rented it. I remember liking it as a kid because I really like Pitch Black. So I was like, oh, hey, Vin Diesel. Let's see how the times have changed now that I'm older. And um, I really am not a big fan of the recent Fast and Furious. And I'm getting pissed at him with his constant not doing Friedrich 4. Let's see how it holds up. Um, you know it's funny? Filmgasm. Real quick, you know what's funny? I remember on Joe Dirt, I told you about my aunt who had the 
car with the DVDs in the back and she would play movies for, for her kids and me. Yeah. The other movie that was constantly played that wasn't Joe Dirt was the fucking Pacifier. <laughs> so another blast from the past. This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh, this should be fun. <laughs> On Filmgasm, they talked about it. I'll be I'll mention it again. We'll be beginning the gauntlet leading into our 200th episode by looking at what is undoubtedly, and I dare you, and you know what? Come at me on this one for those who like fucking Cabin Fever 2016. Uh, one of the best horror comedies of all time, Shaun of the Dead. Come at me. It's top five horror comedy material. I will stand by that to the day I die. Um, cannot wait to do that one. Uh, on Oscar Sunday, uh, they... Austin will be back. Uh, his wedding has happened. He is now a happily married man. Once again, congratulations, Austin. And uh, Brianna, I'll say, you know, her just a happy couple. But he will be back uh, this week with that in mind for Oscar Sunday, where you and him will be looking at the Ethan Hawke starring Trauma, I believe. Trauma, yeah. yeah. First reformed. Um, I believe you guys are doing this to kind of coincide with his upcoming film as a downright villain. Uh, more so than even he was on Moon Knight. Um, the Black Phone, which I have been dying to see. I already have a ticket bought. Yeah, we wanted to spotlight Ethan Hawke. He's an actor we all really respect and uh, whose, uh, whose career is very exciting. So we wanted to go go into him a little. And uh, First Reformed is quite a unique drama based around faith. So we're really excited. Yeah, should be good. Um, until then, we decided to go vacationing in the woods with friends or family. Be careful of the water, might be home to a flushing disease. See you next week on Beyond the Bed.